Welcome to The Deeper You Go, The Weirder It Gets. I'm your host, Garrett Rannon. So this is episode 11. So anyway, if you like the show, please just let me know, all right? Hit the, hit the like and subscribe button. So there is a mind-blowing short documentary on Netflix called Recycling Sham. It's one episode in a mini-series called Broken. Broken is a four-part series which shows how negligence and deceit in the production and, and marketing of popular consumer items can result in dire outcomes. It's essentially looking at the dark side of big business, which is shadow work, right? So this series exposes counterfeit cosmetics, vape products, disposable furniture, and plastics. I watched them all, and each episode was definitely interesting. However, the one that had the biggest impact by far was the recycling episode. Maybe it's because the amount of waste we produce, myself included, has been on my mind for quite some time. I've had two unique experiences which have opened my eyes to our waste problem. The first experience was during an ayahuasca session. During this particular session, I had overwhelming visions of waste. It was everywhere. And then these little entities were running around in a frenzy trying to clean it up. But no matter how hard they worked, they just could not keep up with the amount being produced. It was intense to say the least. And this session, the same session also showed me that waste... It's a natural part of life. I mean, we shit waste out of our bodies. Everything produces waste in one form or the other. However, the amount of waste we are producing as a society is getting way out of control. And we need to find a way back to bring ourselves back in balance and harmony with nature. The second experience, I I've, have found myself having a new business where I do a lot of home restoration for rental properties. It's basically flipping houses, but from a rental mindset, basically quick and dirty work, just like a, just how I like it. So anyway, the, this new business with this new business, I find myself at the transfer station all the time, which is basically a small scale dump. The trash and recycling from a transfer station is taken to, I assume, a larger dump somewhere else. However, after watching this documentary, I wonder how much of this trash ends up in a foreign land. But before I go into that, I'm always amazed at how much trash I see piled up at the transfer station. It's actually really eye-opening and, and quite depressing. In fact, the transfer station I go to in North Seattle has this very big yet really weird photo of a massive pile of trash with Mount Rainier in the background. And then below that photo is a real-life pile of trash, the trash collected and piled up from the transfer station. I don't know if that photo is real, but seeing it, and the actual real pile of trash underneath it is very eerie, to say the least. So I took a photo last time I was there. So you can see that photo on my Instagram page. So if you've never been to a dump or a transfer station, I urge you to go. I know that's a weird requ request, but seeing a large pile of trash with your own eyes is, dare I say, it's, it's life-changing. 
based on these experiences, I now have the curse or luxury, depending on how you look at it, of seeing waste everywhere. I can't seem to escape it, which leads me back to the documentary. See, the the visuals in this documentary are are dramatic and stunning. It, It starts out in Malaysia showing a massive pile of trash and a few people digging through it, which ironically reminds me of my ayahuasca vision that I described earlier. Here's the crazy part. Most of the trash is from the United States, Europe, Japan, and other developed nations. The plastic problem has gotten so big, it's now affecting the entire planet. Plastic is everywhere. It's used for packaging items, such as food containers, your cups, silverware, bottles. It's used in electronic devices, furniture, clothing. It's plastic part of our culture. And the reason plastics have become so popular is because they can be produced cheaply and they can be easily molded into any shape. It's a very versatile product, but like most things, it also has a dark side, a a shadow side. And this dark side is plastics take a long time to decompose. For example, a typical water bottle that you would get at the convenience store takes a minimum of 450 years to break down. So as far as we're concerned, plastics basically last forever. And the problem is getting worse because plastic production has been increasing every year and basically doubles every decade. Today, we produce 380 million tons of plastic. A ton, if you didn't know, is 2,000 pounds. So that's 380 million times 2,000. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but that's a lot of plastic. So the world is essentially drowning in a sea of plastic. The solution to this problem is to recycle. At least that's what we've been told. Here in Seattle, we have three bins. We have the trash, recycling, and compost. We sort our trash, putting our plastics in the blue bin, thinking it will all be reused and recycled. It makes us feel good like we are responsible and respectful of Mother Nature. Well, here's the sham. Just 9% of all plastics ever get recycled. The rest is either buried, burned, or just dumped in the environment, on land, or in the ocean. In fact, it is estimated that one dump truck full of plastic finds its way into the ocean every minute of every day. And if you didn't know, there's a garbage patch full of plastics the size of Texas floating in the Pacific Ocean. One of the reasons that only a small amount of plastic, one of the only reasons that or sorry, one of the reasons that only a small amount of plastics get recycled is because there are many different types of plastic, each with a different chemical makeup. And in order to be recycled, they can't be mixed up. Our consumption of plastics really started to get out of hand shortly after World War II. Once the beverage company started using plastic bottles, this move started the trend of companies using what is termed single-use plastics. These are our cups, straws, takeout containers, bags, water bottles, coffee pods, packaging, balloons, six-pack rings, among many other things. So by the 1970s, it became apparent that we had a plastic problem. People started to take notice and became concerned by all the waste we were producing. In fact, it was in the 70s when the famous commercial debuted, which featured a Native American man standing by the side of the road looking at all the trash with one tear streaming down his face. 
Here's where things really start to get interesting. This commercial, this famous commercial was paid for by the Keep America Beautiful organization. And this organization was actually created by the beverage companies. Like I mentioned earlier, beverage companies are one of the largest producers of single-use plastics. And so they created the Keep America Beautiful organization to put the responsibility on the consumer. Essentially saying that even though we are responsible for placing our products inside plastic bottles, you, the consumer, you are responsible for disposing of it properly. Their motive for doing this was simple, so they could sell us more plastics. Then another organization, the American Plastics Council, came up with the recycling symbol. The triangle created by Chasing Arrows. We all know this this logo. And this logo was created to make us believe that plastic products could be recycled. Ironically, this well-recognized Chasing Arrows symbol that we see on plastic containers, it doesn't mean the product is actually recyclable. The number inside the triangle tells the real story. Within each Chasing Arrows symbol... There is a number which ranges from 1 to 7. The purpose of the number is to identify the type of plastic used for the product. And not all plastics are recyclable or even reusable. However, this Chasing Arrow logo has has created this idea termed wish cycling. Essentially, we all wish it could be recycled. In fact, only plastic products with the numbers 1, 2, and 5 are actually recyclable Or another way to say this is that numbers 1, 2, and 5 are the only types of plastics that have buyers willing to recycle them. See, it always comes down to making money. And the recycling industry is big business with an estimated value of $37.6 billion. Most of the money the U.S. recycling companies received came from China. For the last 25 years or so, China has has bought the majority of our used plastics. As a result, the United States has little to no recycling infrastructure of its own. I mean, why would it, right? China literally gave us money to take our trash away. Problem solved, right? Well, the majority of plastic, so the majority of plastic recycling took place in China. And because profit is always the biggest driving factor for most industries, China's recycling industry operated in the most economical methods possible. And if you know, if you've been paying attention, most economical does not always mean most environmentally friendly. Their recycling methods not only produced a lot of pollution, they would also just burn, burn or dump the plastics that could not be recycled. A side note, I I met a guy whose wife is an oceanographer. He told me that a lot of the plastic found in the Pacific Garbage Patch is there because China would just dump the unusable plastic in the ocean. I don't know if this is true or not. I I mean, I have no proof. Just just telling you what I heard. (laughs) So anyway, back to China. So it wasn't until the Beijing Olympics in 2008 that the world started to take notice about China's pollution problem. And as a result, in July of 2017, China started to ban all foreign imports of trash. 
This ban affected the entire world. The U.S. industry immediately became overwhelmed as plastics waste started to pile up. Remember, here in the U.S., we have little to no recycling capability. So immediately after China imposed a ban on foreign trash, massive amounts of plastics began piling up at U.S. ports and warehouses. Cities and towns started hiking trash collection fees or curtailing recycling programs altogether. Articles started to appear everywhere with the headlines such as the death of recycling and a recycling crisis. A solution needed to be found fast. The answer to this problem was to find another country willing to take our garbage. So now Malaysia has become the next dumping ground for the world. While Malaysia has some recycling infrastructure, it can't keep up with the demand. Plastic waste is piling up everywhere. In the documentary, they show massive piles of waste burning Everywhere on an island that is ironically named Beautiful Island. And apparently the stench on that island is overwhelming. So the documentary then takes a turn and talks about the issue of plastic bags. So 5 trillion plastic bags get used every year. That's 160,000 per second. Oh, and by the way, plastic bags are not recyclable. So Laredo, Texas was one of the first U.S. cities to ban the use of plastic bags after residents noticed that their city's landscape became overwhelmed with plastic bag litter. When the plastic bag ban went into effect, the city immediately became cleaner. However, shortly after the ban, the city of Laredo was then sued by the Laredo Merchants Association, alleging that the bag ban violated state waste disposal laws, which prohibited cities from regulating containers. The case ended up in the Texas Supreme Court, and it basically became the city of Laredo versus the Texas Retail Merchants Association. The Texas Retail Merchants Association had a lot of support from the plastic bag industry and even the Texas Attorney General. It was also alleged that the lawsuit was being bankrolled by the petrochemical industry. When it was all said and done, the Texas Supreme Court overturned the plastic bag ban. What was crazy or sad about this part? was that the residents of Laredo voted to remove plastic bags from their community only to have people outside of their community change their laws. Watching this part of the documentary was also weird because I I was thinking, why would there be so much resistance against banning plastic bags? Well, the answer, again, you guess it comes back to money. Apparently, the estimated revenue of plastic bag makers is $39.2 billion. So that's why. Then, besides just the waste, another issue with plastics is the toxic chemicals used to produce them. The chemicals used to make plastics are what are called endocrine disruptors. This basically means that these chemicals can alter our hormones. Hormones have the power to turn our genes on and off and are also responsible for brain development. So, 8 million metric tons of plastic ends up in the ocean every year. When plastic sits in salt water, it actually starts to break down much faster and becomes what's called microplastics. These microplastics are are devastating to the ocean wildlife. So basically, small fish eat these microplastics, which are then consumed by larger fish, which are then consumed by humans. So now plastics and their toxic chemicals have infiltrated our food supply. So to kind of wrap this all up, We have a massive plastic problem on this planet. And as the documentary makes clear, we can't recycle our way out of this problem. Instead, we must reduce our use of plastics. 
And the only way to truly fix this problem will to take a complete restructuring of major industries. We as citizens, we as citizens of the of this world, must look at putting our health and the health of the planet ahead of profits. We must push for more sustainable and environmentally friendly companies and industries. The plastic problem is definitely overwhelming. However, remember that knowledge is powerful. Now that we know plastics are bad for the environment and our health, we can start to look at other options. And the good news is other options are starting to pop up, such as biodegradable plastic made from hemp, cassava, and other plant materials. So this reminds me, do you, do you remember the old G.I. Joe cartoons? At the, end of, at the end, they would always have a segment where some kid would learn a lesson. The kid would then say, now I know. And the G.I. Joe would say, and knowing is half the battle. See you on the other side.